What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Riddick here with the Walk On Podcast. And no, uh, we do not have for you our usual intro to our podcast with Jason Prill. Um, Jason, unfortunately, has um, come down with some bad news. Uh, so heavy topic to start off the show with today. Um, Jason has tested positive um, for COVID-19. Uh, that test came in yesterday uh we're recording on sunday may or excuse me july 5th and uh so on july 4th uh he was diagnosed with uh covid-19 he test positive for that <clears throat> and um today he uh you know we we didn't want him to be on the show he's got a lot of healing a lot of resting and a lot of fluids to drink um through this and of course we're praying for him but he wanted to spend spend some time and and send a special message uh, to the fans and to this podcast uh, for everybody. So here's what Jason had to say. Hey there, guys. Hope everyone's doing well. This is Jason Prill here uh, coming to you live from my bedroom. And guess what? For the first time since the start of the podcast, Jordan is giving me a set-aside time to talk for the first time ever. So I'm going to take the next 15 minutes of your time uh, and just run through all of my thoughts. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, What I am going to do, though, is I'm just going to let you know the reason why I'm not on the podcast this week. Uh, I have tested positive for uh, COVID-19 and have been laid up in my room for the last couple days. Um, I tested positive Saturday morning. I started feeling symptoms on uh, the week before on a Friday. Uh, So that would have been, I think, the 26th of June. Uh, And I have uh, moved back to Ohio because of that. I was asked to leave the house that I was staying in due to an at-risk family member. And so I really didn't have any place to go. And so I had to pack up all my stuff again and move back to Ohio. Uh, I also, in the process of that, quit my job in Atlanta. So you cannot look forward to any more uh, interesting dinner stories. Um, But you guys can savor the one that you had. Uh, But yeah, so I've been experiencing a variety of symptoms over the past a week plus, um, varying from coughing, fever, chills, uh, loss of taste, loss of, loss of smell, uh, just a lot of different things that I've been battling the past couple of days, but we are hopefully on the mend. I'm in quarantine. I'm not allowed to leave my room until the 13th of July, regardless of when I start feeling better. That is the first possible day that I can leave my house. And so fingers crossed that all goes well and I can leave on that date. Uh, And so hopefully that means that next week I will be feeling well enough where I'm not coughing every 20 seconds. Uh, Right now, this is the longest I think I've gone with talking without coughing. And so that's a step in the right direction. But hopefully next week I can be back on the podcast uh, without any fear of coughing. Uh, That way you guys can get the great back and forth banter that Jordan and I uh, love so dearly. Uh, but so thank you guys. I appreciate all your support and all your prayers. Uh, hopefully I will be back on the podcast next week. See you guys. And again, we are just um, continuing uh, to pray for Jason, to um, pray for his family and um, just sending our, our well thoughts and wishes towards him. Um, and so again, It's just me for today, uh, but I do this time have some special guests on the show today. Um, One of our longtime guests 
on the show today. Max Harvey is with us today. Max, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. We're just glad to be on the podcast, uh, hoping that I'm a decent fill-in for Jason. You know, we'll see what we can do and hopefully keep up the energy and keep it good. Right, absolutely. And alongside Max, um, reigning from right now, I believe it's Memphis, Tennessee, is Jason Gregory, uh, who will be filling in also for Jason today. Jason, how are you doing? Yeah, for sure. And Max, where are you right now? Uh, I'm back in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, where I'm a student at Liberty University along with uh, the recently graduated Jordan. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I'm back in Lynchburg just to finish up some flight training. Um, but yeah, we're just showing in Lynchburg. And how is that with all the flight training kind of trying to not catch COVID? I know that's a sensitive topic for today on today's show with you know Jason's diagnosis, but how... Actually, has that been going? Oh, functionally, it's not really any different. Um, the weirdest thing is just that um, we're having to like wipe down like common surfaces. So, for example, um, Thursday was my first flight back in over three months, and before I could touch anything on the inside or the outside of the plane, my instructor had to completely sanitize uh, mm. the entire aircraft. So, it's just that's pretty much the only difference. But other than that, training is pretty much you know business as usual yeah for sure and and jason tell us what you're doing in memphis because you're not originally from memphis you you live in lynchburg uh originally correct yeah that is correct uh this summer i am working at a church down here in memphis it's called bellevue baptist church i'm one of their interns which they like to call mas and basically i'm just working on staff at the church helping them in any form of ministry that they need help in mm. and uh just doing that this summer getting some practical ministries training that's awesome and so jason uh we most of the people on the podcast know max we know him as our resident alabama fan but how can we know you about your your sports uh repertoire um i could be the the resident chicago fan i would say there you every go. sports team from chicago i'm a fan of uh uh-huh. It might not be the most glamorous sports team, but they're the ones that I love. So. Right. It's a it's a, definitely an acquired taste uh, as a Chicago fan, I would say. Um, but, guys, uh, we're excited to have you, or at least I'm excited to have you. I know Jason uh, Prill wishes he that he was with us today, but um, let's go ahead and dive into the big hitters today. The first one we have is, um, and again, we had a, a July 4th special uh, out for our, our podcast listeners, and so we didn't want to uh, retouch up on anything as we had a lot to discuss in the middle of the week. Um, so we needed a, a, a whole nother episode to get in all the content uh, that uh, just was happening around us. But today we're going to start with college football. Um, college football, at when COVID started coming around, uh, was it, it seemed like it was a really far time away uh, when we were in March. Um, but as we look here at the calendar, it's July 5th, and I mean, we're, we're just around the corner from college football season. So I want to start with you, Max. Um, what, what are the best case scenarios right now in your mind for the college football season, and what should we expect come the fall? For sure. So I think, obviously, best case scenario is uh, the college football season happens on schedule, um, with fans in attendance, 
and that's kind of you know the best possible outcome. Um, kind of the closer and closer we get to the actual season starting, we're actually not that far off now. You know, we're uh, like probably two months away from you know kind of week zero, if you will. Yeah. Um, but you know, fans are kind of a question mark at this point, and kind of as I'm paying attention to kind of some of the 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 things that are happening online, kind of some of the discussions um, between athletic directors of various programs, it's not looking um, you know as for certain as it once was in the summer. Like, um, for example, you know, everyone kind of knows that I'm an Alabama fan and uh, mm-hmm. I kind of follow that program particularly closely. And they play their season opener against the University of Southern California. Right. Um, and they have recently announced, I think in the, the last week or so, that they're planning on doing a majority of their classes online. And so there's kind of been some speculation as to what that may hold for uh, USC's football program and, you know, kind of by proxy, the season opener against Alabama. So some of these games could be very much in question, and that is entirely dependent on how particular universities choose to respond with uh, the COVID-19 epidemic, and as well as how certain regions may be affected. So, for example, um, play, schools in the, the the Deep South, like the SEC, they may be fine. But schools in kind of the, um, the Pac-12 area, they may be hit particularly hard, and they may not be able to play. So that poses a, a great deal of challenges, and um, there's no real way to kind of solve that issue unless it happens so best case scenario uh everything happens on schedule everyone plays all their games um and fans are in attendance Mm. do i know if that's going to happen for sure i am sadly i cannot you know say that i'm for certain that that's going to happen i'm very hopeful that um most of the schedule will be played as normal but um fans are a question mark and if fans are in attendance i don't see honestly, any more than 50% capacity. Absolutely. And now, Jason, I want to kick it to you because um, a recent tweet I was I was going through and it, it kind of made public headlines where um, the University of Arizona declared that they would not have uh, residential classes in the fall. It would all be virtual and online. Um, and a particular player tweeted out, then then why are why are, why am I here? You know, why why is my squad here uh, when I'm an a, I'm a student as well? Um, what would you say uh, if you were in a position as a player um, who still is a student, um, but now is kind of almost being required to play through a pandemic? Um, that's a great question. Um, the question is, are they required to play through the pandemic? Right. Um, do they have any choice in that? Um, that's something that we aren't even sure of. But for me, if I was a player in that situation, um, it really comes down to how my team feels. Um, depending, talking on to some of the guys on the team, uh, seeing where their head's at, see how, see how this is affecting their lives. And if they're not comfortable playing, then it might be a thing where you, you try and make a statement of not playing, but if your team is comfortable playing, then you play with your team almost, is my opinion on this. But I know a lot of guys view it in a lot of different ways. Um, that's my opinion on that. I think the best case scenario for the season in general, though, would be just having a season. Because mm-hmm. with how quickly they canceled the spring sports this season, right. um, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised... Um, if they canceled the fall sports, the only way they keep it going is for the money, obviously. Right. But if the fans can't attend, then they won't make the money. So I don't know. 
if it would be worth it if the fans can attend. Right, and I, I do agree that, you know, to a certain point, it is about the money. Um, but where do we draw that line, I think, is the question between safety of the players and how much money are we going to make. Um, and and I, I kind of want to kick it back to, to Max. Um, Max, I know you, you lined out your, your best-case scenario, but if the season were to start tomorrow, how would you go about um, – started the season or would you start the season i think as things stand right now um with cases being lower now granted some states have seen spikes um and that may be as a result of you know widespread testing but i think that if the season starts tomorrow I, i'm of the mindset that if you can have it if you can safely have a football season that you should have it um money is absolutely uh probably the single most driving factor in really any of these sports. But keep in mind, these a lot of these college players, they're playing for a lot. They're, they're not getting paid, um, so right. they're not playing for money. They're playing for a chance to make money. And a lot of these guys, like, it's not just a, a game for them. Like, this is what they've grown up around. They played it all throughout their childhood. Like, football and sports in general means, you know, more than we could ever really imagine um, to these college athletes and you know they have this drive to to play and to compete day in and day out and especially at top programs like Alabama right. like Ohio State like Georgia like Clemson like these guys this is what they wake up for like they wake up to better themselves they wake up to play football they wake up to you know win games win national championships and get drafted in the NFL um, so I think if you can safely have the season you should that, um, but also the same breath you should you know, take every single safety measure possible, um, test consistently, you know, have a plan in place as to how to deal with um, coronavirus, like players that come down with coronavirus, because I think it's kind of inevitable that as teams have started to come, you know, report for voluntary workouts kind of um, through mid-June, uh, Alabama included, they had several tested uh, players tested positive for coronavirus. So I think you need to have a plan in place. You need to have um, safety measures but if you can have it I think you should and um, I think that you kind of just do everything you can for as long as you can and if it comes a point where safety of the players or safety of the coaching staff or you know any of um, the people that make the games happen if safety is compromised and I don't think there's any amount of money that can um, justify putting um, human beings in danger mm. but I think if it's feasible and possible and you can do it safely, I think you absolutely should have a football season. For sure. And I agree. I think it's all about feasibility, and unfortunately I think that's different for everybody. Um, the I want to uh, get Jason's opinion on this one more time. Jason, I know you said that you uh, wouldn't be surprised if they canceled fall sports, but how likely do you think that it is that not only I, – I don't believe that the – Football season will be just thrown away. I think, if anything, it'll be moved to the spring. Um, but how likely do you think that would be that the football season would have to be moved from the fall to spring, even as like we've known now that the Ivy League is actually has that offer on the table? So how likely do you think that is? Um, right now, I think it's about like uh, a little less than a 50% chance of that happening, especially with big schools, like you said, like Arizona and USC potentially going online. 
Um, if they aren't required to report on campus, then I don't see how they can require their players to stay on campus for right. that fall semester, like you said earlier. So if that's the case for this fall semester, um, I could definitely see the football season being moved to the spring or even postponed a little bit mm-hmm. um, and maybe cut down on some weeks. But I think that's very likely, around a 50% chance of that happening. And Max, what would you say a percent of that that season being moved? Uh, at this point, I would have to say probably closer, a, a lower percentage than Jason. I would say probably between a, a 25 to maybe a 30% chance, mm-hmm. just as things stand right now. I mean, you know, granted, everything can change in an instant. And, you know, if um, the season starts and you kind of get to October and um, cases are spiking, deaths are starting to, to come back, I think then you need to press pause. Um, but a spring season is a could be a very viable option. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I think you kind of you're stuck between a rock and a hard place with fall versus spring because with fall, generally the warmer weather is going to make it a, a more conducive environment to really do much of anything. So you're starting in a better time, but you you're getting towards colder weather and. Right. kind of flu season, if you will. So you're kind of ending in dangerous times, whereas the spring will be starting in dangerous times. And right. um, kind of if you can get out of it, then you'd be pretty much clear. So it's kind of it's it's not you know clear which way would work better. Um, but I think that that uh, commissioners and leagues and conferences have been working on plans for the fall for months now. So I think that um, that they're going to go for fall. Um, but I think that they also want to have a football season no matter what. So if fall is, is not possible, they will absolutely punt to the spring. I just don't see that being highly likely as everything stands right now. For sure. And, um, and again, I appreciate you guys' opinion on this. And, uh, again, uh, while we are a little bit closer to that uh, becoming a reality, um, we still have a lot of time to figure that out. But I think commissioners, like you said, Max, need to kind of get on, on the horse and and really kind of get a plan down and in place so that they can inform these uh, institutions, you know, what the plan is for the season because there's so much money behind it and so much uh, just at stake for not only the schools but also these players. Let's move on to our second topic, and I think this hits closer home to uh, for Jason uh, since his team will be a part of it in the Bulls, but the NBA is um, putting together a plan for a – uh, consolation bubble that will be held in Chicago. Uh, I have personally dubbed it the NBA loser bubble. Uh, it's uh, the eight teams that will not compete in the Orlando bubble. Um, they're planning on having in Chicago for a four game, I guess, <laughs> uh, just kind of consolation games just to uh, get some money back in for the um uh, the TV deals, the local TV deals, and to get these players um, just back on the court uh, and some more basketball in September. Uh, Jason, what do you like and what do you hate about this this new uh, this consolation bubble? Um, yeah, I think the only thing I like is being a fan of basketball. Um, is that there's more basketball to play, and it's and it's my team, uh, the Bulls. We'll get to see them, even though right now the organization organization's kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still like to watch them and watch their young players uh, blossom a little bit. 
Um, there would be some interesting games, like the Warriors would be in that bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at that time, healthy Clay is back and they would dominate, so it wouldn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I like about it is the idea of more basketball. What I hate is if it was just like for training camp purposes or for uh, consolation games. If they put like a winner of this tournament gets a, a number one draft pick, that would make it a very interesting tournament. Right. Um, because you'd actually have to do something to earn the draft pick instead of tank. So mm-hmm. that would make it interesting. Or they they get to move up one spot from whatever the lottery pick is. Who knows what right. it could be. There's some, some sort of incentive to actually make people watch because if, if they don't put an incentive on there, then they won't get the TV deals because it's just a bunch of, like you said, loser basketball. Exactly. And Max, I want to get your opinion here because – should, like Jason said, uh, if Clay Thompson comes back, you know, Steph Curry would be playing. You know, we got some, you know, it's the eight bottom teams, but it's still um, some pretty good stars, um, a part of that, that team and stars for teams per se. And, but should these stars participate and, and risk um, going to Chicago? Would that be a good idea for them? think it's in the best interest of the team to have the entire team playing regardless of the situation um i mean when you're when you're on a sports team granted there is a, a, a huge amount of individuality you know associated with like players like steph curry like clay thompson like some of these bigger names even though their teams are um, more lackluster as of late but i think that if you're on a team you don't get to, you know, pick and choose when you want to play. Like, just as a normal season, and granted, there is such a thing as load management, but that has a purpose. If you're like, hey, I don't want to play just because I don't see a point in it, I mean, I think you kind of, like, where's your love for the game? Like, where's your passion for what you do? Like, if you're a Steph Curry, if you're a Clay Thompson, if you're one of these faces of, you know, the NBA, and you're like, nah, I don't want to play just because it doesn't mean anything, I think that, sets kind of a poor image for kind of who you are as the face of a league, as the face of a franchise. So I think that if your team is playing, you need to show up. I I would have to disagree with that um, for lots of reasons. Uh, one of most, which is uh, not only is there a risk that, y- you know, you're going to get caught up in this pandemic, um, there's also a risk for injury. Uh, these players have not played in almost four months, uh, and we start talking about soft tissue injuries uh, when we get into September to, to make it five months. And then uh, for what? Four games that mean absolutely nothing. And, and to Jason's point, um, it would be cool if they made it, you know, the winner of whatever wins the number one overall draft pick. I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, but they've said that they're not going to do any incentivizing for this. I think what it for these teams, it would be wise for them to use it as kind of like the summer league that we've been missing. Um, give a chance for some of the younger players. I think even for the Bulls, like Kobe White, who missed um, the back half of, or you know the back um, quarter of his rookie campaign he was just starting to peak a little bit you know just give some of these younger players chances um 
uh, to get on the court again, to get back to basketball, just to get them up and moving. Um, and, you know, also to think that, you know, these games don't mean squat. They don't mean anything. Um, and so, yeah, maybe if they were, if they meant something, then yeah, you know, you might be, you know, forcing your hand to go and participate and be isolated from your family for however long that is. But, um, for these games that don't mean anything, um, I think you can train and get the same kind of, you know, game atmosphere, um, because this is, you know, it's an unprecedented time and there's not going to be fans in attendance. There's not going to be, you know, reporters everywhere. Um, and like we mentioned before, this is the bottom eight teams. This is this is not going to be great basketball, considering that not only it's the bottom eight teams, but they haven't played in a while. Uh, we're not going to see the greatest basketball. Um, and also to point out that this will be going on during the actual bubble that counts. Um, so I I don't I don't see why some of these bigger name players would participate or would want to. Um, and as an organization, uh, if I was the Warriors, I would lock Stephen Curry in his house. I would lock Clay Thompson in his house uh, to make sure that they don't go, not only to not risk uh, COVID, but also to not risk injury. Because uh, for them, their future uh, lies in the in the hands of both of those, those guys. So uh, for me, that's a no-go for the loser bubble. Um, let's move on to our third and final big hitter. Um, we've had some bigger name players in the MLB speak out and say that they're not going to participate in 2020. Most recently, Dodgers pitcher um, David Price will not participate in 2020. Um, let's start with Max. Max, how does the MLB and the image of Major League Baseball handle uh, these players that don't want to play in 2020? I mean, obviously, you can't you can't make them play. Um, so it's their choice if if they want to come and play or not. But I do think that you know they are kind of showing up like this is their job. So in a way, if they don't want to play, like that's okay. But just like any other employment opportunity that anyone has, you know, you don't show up for work. I feel like there should be some sort of you know financial repercussions. Like if you don't want to play, that's fine. But why should you know players that choose not to play um, when other players are? Why should they be getting like their full salary? Right. So that's that's something that definitely um, needs to be considered, and I'm sure that is being considered by um, individual clubs and players who are choosing not to play. But I don't think it would be fair for um, players to opt out, if you will, of the uh, the shortened. MLB season and still receive, you know, their full, in quotes, um, you know, salary for that reduced season. Absolutely. And Jason, I want to turn it to you with a different question um, because I think what's most frustrating to me is that we went through this stalemate for Major League Baseball between the owners and the players. And does it make the Players Association just look a little bit hypocritical now that We've gone through all of this, and now we have players that are saying, well, I don't really care anyways because I'm not going to play. How does that make the, the Players Association look for the MLB? Yeah, it, it makes them look really bad. It, it makes them look like 
It makes them look extremely selfish, first of all. It makes them look like they don't love the game of baseball. So why should fans love the game of baseball and watch? Right. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm seeing from this. Like, they were arguing so much for what they wanted for this season, and they wanted their full salary or the right portion of their salary. But once they got what they wanted, they're like the bratty kid that wants more. Like, you, you, you got what you asked for. Now hold up your end of the deal. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a poor look on the players, especially after the the Houston Astros cheating scandal. And then add on top of that, the lockout and then coronavirus and then them acting like they still don't want to play when baseball has been going on throughout this whole entire epidemic, epidemic in other countries. So how concerned can they really be other than for maybe, let's say, travel? Mm-hmm. which is an understandable thing. But most, most MLB teams have their own private jets that are chartered. So if they're really that concerned, then they should just stick to the stick to their hotel rooms, stick to individual things that they know are safe, and play the game of baseball. And if not, well, then that's just a bad look on them. Right, absolutely. And that echoes my sentiments precisely. It, it just it, It's a poor look on the Players Association and I understand that it's a union, and you possibly it, w- it would be impossible to represent every single person uh, of any union, uh, much less a players' union of a sports league. But um, still, with all of this going on, uh, it just it's a bad look for the MLB in general, uh, and it just goes to uh, all the many more reasons why uh, I'm coming to be spiteful towards the Major League uh, Baseball. So. Anyway, we will um, take a quick break, and then we got a new segment for you guys today. It's for our guests, and they're going to be playing Hateful or Grateful. You're listening to The Walk On Podcast. Gang, gang, we don't die out. Wanting like this ain't no timeouts. Tell me who really gonna find out. And welcome back into our virtual studio here at the Walk On Podcast. My name is Jordan Riddick. Again, Jason Prill, absent with us today, recovering. Um, and today we have Max Harvey and Jason Gregory with us, and they're going to help us out with a new segment that we have today called Hateful or Grateful. Uh, I will read a statement, and they will uh, not only determine whether the statement is hateful or grateful, but they will also expound upon that. Guys, are you ready? Ready. Awesome. So ready. let's start with, we'll have Jason go first on this one. Jason, the Indians and the Redskins pondering a name change only after stakeholders threaten money is a bad thing. Is that statement hateful or grateful? I think that statement is hateful to some extent. Okay. Because the idea of the name change is is rooted in a positive thing and in light of change but the way that uh, different companies kind of force their hand was a little hateful like Nike taking off Redskins gears off their websites Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that was kind of them flexing their power muscles so that made it more of a hateful like we're going to do what we want and now you have to follow suit or you're not going to make any money right all right what about you Max hateful or grateful I have to agree I think and it's kind of a two-part thing. Mm-hmm. The name change, I think, is you know potentially grateful 
but the way that it's kind of coming about and you know echo what jason said kind of nike you know flexing if you will and fedex you know threatening threatening to pull uh, potential money and other stakeholders i think that they're going about it in a very hateful way um you know in the context of grateful versus hateful but i think that the name change could be very beneficial um for a variety of groups of people but they're just kind of going about it in the wrong way they're uh, it's almost becoming like a mob rule, like, hey, we think it should be this, and if you don't completely agree with us, we're going to pull, you know, the funding or whatever power or whatever things we're giving you. I think that's, it's very manipulative, um, and the way it's going about is not good, but the idea itself is, it can be very positive. Absolutely. All right, Max, you're going to go first on this next one. Um, the NFL pondering a bubble like the NBA is also pon- or is going through with. The, NA- the NFL pondering a bubble is a good idea. Is that hateful or grateful? I think it's, it's got to be a good idea. Uh, it's, I think it's very hard to you know, put into practice the purely just from roster size, um, you know, whereas in the NBA you've got no more than 20 guys probably associated with any given team um, but, you know, to make an NFL team run, you've probably got upwards of 115, maybe even closer to 200 guys, not on the roster, but, you know, staff members, coaches, uh, trainers, you know, equipment managers, people like that. So it's, I think it's a very good idea. I think it's very hard to put in place just due to the size and the resources needed to actually make it happen. For sure. What about you, Jason? I... Am hateful of that idea for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, um, being a Chicago fan, my team is not that great to begin with. So one of the few advantages they have is making people go play in Soldier Field in Chicago. Right, and that's a tough place to play. It's not the toughest, but it's one of the tougher ones. Mm-hmm. So I, I want the Bears to have any any advantage they can get because they are not a great team. Everyone knows. So, I'm not a huge fan of the bubble idea because that's just going to make the Bears doing well even harder. But also, for the same reasons Max said, is the execution of a bubble for the NFL would be almost almost impossible, I think, unless they just took over a city in the middle of North Dakota or something like that right. and built a stadium. I don't see how it could happen. Right. I think logistically um, it's going to be the biggest problem is making that happen. Yes, With the current yeah. schedule that they have, that would be pretty difficult. Yeah. Saying all that, I would just love to see football happen. So we got to have some sports come back. Right. <laughs> For sure. All right, last one here. And, uh, Jason, you go ahead and go first again on this one. Um, college basketball should not happen to protect student-athletes. Is that hateful or grateful? That is hateful because that's just hateful. Yeah, I don't like anything about that statement. Um, College basketball was already ruined this past season when we were not able to have the tournament. Right. And that's probably, it's it's about six months away from starting college basketball. Or no, more like four. They start end of November-ish, kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, End of October-ish, actually. My fault. Apologies. But... 
have the, the bubble, I don't see college basketball doing anything like that because there's just too many schools, too many teams. It's so far away in the future, we can't really decide anything like that. Like, if you think back four months ago, this is, four months ago was what, March 1st? I can't do very good math. But yeah, four months ago was March 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, the corona wasn't even, like, that big of a thing yet. We were still having sports. Who knows what can happen in four more months? Right. So exactly. to say something should be canceled now is very unreasonable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, and Max? College basketball should not happen to protect student athletes. Hateful or grateful? Hateful. I totally, totally, and completely agree with Jason. Um, I mean, the only way I could possibly see that there's any sort of virtue in this statement is if, like, there is a ridiculously dangerous coronavirus explosion um, in the midst of the season, and forcing them to continue would be very bad. And mm-hmm. but I mean. If I desperately want to see sports back, um, and kind of like I was saying with um, college football, you know, if sports can be played, if it's feasible, if it's safe, you should do it. And I think that, you know, just like Jason said, to look forward um, so many months in the future and to try and, you know, say whether or not things should happen when we have no idea how things are going to end up turning out in that time period is just not it's it's foolish in my opinion um so i mean i think that especially in times of crisis like this and kind of amidst this coronavirus epidemic that you kind of need to take things as they come and uh, work with what you have and make the best of what you have and you know control what you control and just kind of don't worry about the rest until you have to worry about it so I think college basketball should happen unless it is ludicrous and absolutely unsafe. But, you know, if if possible, play. Let them play. I think they want to play just as much as we want to see them play. For sure, for sure. And, and there's still a lot of things to have happened and a lot of decisions to be made. Um, and a lot of things still in the future that are that we don't even know are going to happen that are going to happen. So... Lots to pan out, and again, thank you guys for uh, getting us to this segment. This was a lot of fun. This is the first time we've done that, so uh, that was a lot of fun. But we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back because it's that time again. It's time for our favorite segment here on the Walk On Podcast. After this break, it's going to be What Grind Your Gears. Welcome back into the virtual studio again. One last time for this episode. My name is Jordan Riddick, and alongside me for today, Max Harvey and Jason Gregory are with me. And guys, we've made it to the end of the episode, and it's time for What Grinds Your Gears. Max, you've done this before, um, but Jason, this is your first time on the show, and so we would like uh, for you to kick us off again this is just. This can be about life. This can be about your grandma. This can be about anything. Doesn't necessarily have to be about sports. But Jason, tell us what grinds your gears. What grinds my gears is something I discovered on moving to Memphis, and that is that probably ninety percent of the population does not know how to drive. Um, I've. I've been cut off, I've been flicked off, I've been screamed at through windows for driving down the road straight as an arrow, people going 
100 miles an hour past me or 60 miles an hour in front of me. There's no in-between. People are crazy on the road, and that just grinds my gears. Awesome. And is, has it not been like that anywhere else that you've been before? Uh, no, it's been pretty bad. Like, I would say every Lynchburg drivers are also bad, but Memphis is one of the worst places I've ever been when it comes to driving. Mm. All right, well, glad to hear it. And Max, you know the drill. What grinds your gears? Well, it's been about a week now. And I can absolutely, without a doubt, say that what grinds my gears are sunburns. Mm. Jordan, you know good and well <laughs> the extent of my sunburn. But for all of you listening, uh, I came out to um, Suffolk, Virginia, which is um, about three and a half hours away from Lynchburg for the weekend. And um, my idiot self decided to challenge the sun. <laughs> and lay out um, for about an hour and without sunscreen. So, mm. yes, I am an idiot, but frick, dude, sunburns suck. Like, it's been actually like a week, like literally seven days, you know, like at time of recording, and I'm still red. Like, it's, <laughs> it's insane. Like, I can draw a smiley face on my skin, and it stays for a couple seconds, and it's just, it's it sucks. And, like, the peeling is awful. The color is awful. It itches. It's mm. just, like, there's nothing good about a sunburn. The sun is amazing. But guys, please use sunscreen because the sun's undefeated, and you will never, ever, 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 ever beat the sun. That is for sure. If you take one thing today away from this episode, just take this, that the sun is undoubtedly undefeated in its entire history. So with that being said, what grinds my gears is that, and this is not his fault at all, but what grinds my gears is Jason getting COVID. That sucks. And screw you, COVID, taking my co-host of this show that we've been doing for for a while now um away from me um it sucks for him and i know it sucks for a lot of people and uh, luckily for him he's not um that bad off um and i know for some people it's it's been um uh, just a hell of a time just trying to figure out you know what what their next steps are as, as people are trying to figure out this out but uh covid grinds my gears today um as you know, we continue to pray for Jason, and we continue to just uh, take everything one day at a time. Um, and if, if you guys uh, join me today in just uh, praying for him uh, during your quiet times and and just when you're by yourself, just or even right now, just pause and uh, take a moment um, and just uh, keep Jason in your thoughts. And again, COVID sucks. Um, it's taken our sports away. It's taken our uh, money away for sure and it's taken our plans away and it, and now it's taken um jason away for the time being um but we're going to continue to pray for full recovery um and everything in that but with that being said that is the end of our episode today um and we just want to say a one big thank you to jason and max uh for joining us again today as guests on the show today and um guys just uh thank you for your insight and uh for <laughs> kicking off and uh starting us up on a great or hateful or grateful segment uh 
Jason and I, or whenever you guys get back, uh, back on the show, we're definitely going to revisit that, that, um, segment because that was a lot of fun and I'm sure we can uh, spice it up a little bit the next time to make it even more fun. So again, thank you guys for coming on the show today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Yep. Been a pleasure. Awesome. So with that being said, um, you've been listening to the walk on podcast. Make sure that you like subscribe, share, follow us on social media, tell your friends, tell your grandma, we don't care. Uh, tell them about this, this great sports podcast. So again, thank you guys for listening today and uh, we'll see you next time. Tick, tick, boom.